Welcome to It's No Fluke, a weekly podcast about the untold stories and uncharted waters in culture and creativity. I'm your host, Jeff Barrett, Shorty Award winner and Real Time Academy member. Each season, we'll explore a range of topics with the current and next big names in digital storytelling, featuring diverse voices from creators, brands, and great minds of our time. 70 minutes that tell you the complete story of who a content creator is, who what they want to become, and more importantly, what lessons you can learn from that. Let's dive in. I'm with Dominic Andre, 7 million followers on TikTok, media, social, entrepreneur. Um, we'll get into all that, we'll unpack all of that and how you got to this point. But first, money management is hard work. You don't start a business or become a creator or do almost anything to be a money manager. But it doesn't have to be that hard. Did you know around 7 out of 10 creators don't have enough money set aside for a financial crisis? It's super important to have the right tools and insights to stay in control. And that's why we're proud to partner this season with Wave. Wave is an affordable, one-stop money management for creators. Streamlines, invoicing, payments, payroll, all in one place, keeping you in complete control. Plus, Wave is offering a free, personal, 20-minute session with one of their bookkeeping coaches when you create a free account. This is normally a $99 cost, but Wave wants to make expert advice accessible for all creators and take the fear and intimidation out of bookkeeping and taxes. Spots are limited. Don't wait. Visit waveapps.com slash nofluke to claim your free coaching session. That's waveapps.com slash nofluke. Dominic, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. You've been creating content for how long? So I've been creating content now. I mean, honestly, for like 10, since the start of Instagram, probably like 10 years, uh, I've been shooting photos for about, I don't know, since like 2014, something like that. And um, I always like loved like media creation. Um, Something that like I've always noticed like growing up was that like I'd always see people in high school really good at painting, really good at art. uh, And and I hated the fact I'm like, wow, I, I can't do it. Like this sucks. And I started to realize, well, like photography is like a way for people who may not have those skills with their hands to be able mm-hmm. to like use technology to create art. And so I really love the idea of like, okay, well, like I'm definitely like, uh, um, don't have too much skill when it comes to painting or it comes to uh, drawing or anything like that. And so, but I wanted to be able to contribute art somehow. And so I was like, you know, I can do photos, right? I can use technology to, and, and to create things and I can even use Photoshop, um, And so that kind of got me really excited to be able to create art and feel artistic. And that's kind of like where I started. And so I started taking photos. Um, I actually got my first camera, got really excited back. It was in 2008. Um, Mm. And I got to go to um, England and a a family friend of ours, super rich family, they invited us to like go to the Windsor Palace, meet the queen. And so I was able to shoot like photos of the queen too. And that's when I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like this, this is like really, really fun to be able to take these pictures. And so I just started doing that. And I, I did that for since 2008 till now, I would just take photos. Um, and I started to work with influencers and models and I, I never took a dollar. I never made a dollar. I was just doing it for fun. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. And so I always knew that like, Hey, if I could somehow make a lot of money from this, I would do it. But since I know it's like kind of really hard and most photographers aren't really making that, that much money. I was like, okay, I don't know if that's what I ultimately want to do for my day to day. So I've been creating content on the side just for fun for over a decade at least 
I think that's a common thing, right? Everybody eventually in this space has a starting off point and a pivot or multiple pivots because it's like where chance meets opportunity, right? And you're talking about how like, you know, just casually, like I just got a chance to, you know, take some pictures of the queen, you know, that's not, that's like an opportunity that not a lot of people get, but you also yeah. like, it's meeting the moment, right? I think with a lot of creators, um, and depending on level of success, you you see a moment and you either go in one or two directions, right? You meet the moment or you're like, well, that was cool. But then you don't quite figure out how to, you know, monetize that or take that to the next level. And I mean, obviously, there are fits and starts with things. When did this start um, kind of progressing towards serious rather than, you know, casual hobby? Yeah, I mean, well, to kind of bounce off what you said, which is really funny. So my background is, uh, I, I have a couple of different degrees, but one of them was a master's in psychology and I worked as a therapist. And so what you were talking about, right, where chance meets opportunity is what we call a happenstance theory. So the idea that like those who usually succeed are those who are like ready for an opportunity when it arises, right? There's a lot of people who are like, I, I, I for example, I would present opportunities to people and they would, you know, oh, I'm not ready right now and I'm not right now. And I'm like, wow, you just missed out. And to be honest, some of these opportunities I offered would have made them 50,000 a month. And I'm like, okay, like, why wouldn't you take that? But some people, they're just, they're mentally not ready. They, they don't realize they're not good at like just jumping on something that's new to them. If they feel like it's off the path that they already planned. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm really good at. And that's, that's something that like my whole life is like, I'm not necessarily the best at just creating opportunity out of nothing. But if an opportunity arises, I feel like I'm one of the best to be able to like, make sure I get every ounce of success out of that opportunity. And that's what I do with social media. And so, so leading into the, the question, which is, you know, like what really happened? What kind of pivoted that point? So I mean, I was going to school for like 15 years. I started uh, college at 15 and I went until 27. So however long that is, almost 15 years. And so it was a long college journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I did psychology. I worked on a master's in international relations, a bachelor's in political science, another bachelor's in philosophy. And I just loved learning. And I was like, okay, like, um, you know, Middle Eastern family, they want me to get an education. So if I get an education and I keep going, I could potentially like keep trying businesses on the side. So if one of them succeeds, I win and I don't have to do like this as a job, you know, nine to five. Uh, and if I lose, well, I have multiple degrees and I'll still be successful to some degree. And so I, um, same thing is, you know, anytime an opportunity arose, I've started six or seven different companies along the way, right? They all failed. Um, and then I was talking with this, um, creator who was a part of a, uh, uh, the vlog squad at the time. And I was like, Hey, uh, I really want to start a YouTube channel. Like you guys, you, you know, you have a small following at the time there. It was, it was kind of early on. I'm like, I'm really creative in terms of like, I've have tons of ideas, but I just don't have the opportunity right now to kind of boost it. So yeah. we, we started to work on it. And then I was like, Hey, let me, let me open up a TikTok account. Um, and let me see if I can, um, just build a following while we're like slowly building up this channel. Um, and this is the first time that I was like creating content content for, for like content purposes versus just like taking photos for fun. I was like, Oh, like I need to create content. I want to try and build a following. Um, within 20 days I was at like almost a million followers. And so I posted my a couple of videos. They all went like semi-viral 20,000, 30,000. Uh, and then I posted one of my family and it was like, basically I had heard my mom and a, and a friend of ours 
talk about i said hey you know you know your like a niece is posting on tiktok and she's like 13 at the time and she's like lip syncing <laughs> these these songs but they're like really bad like really really bad and i was like they're just dirty and i was like i was like this is so gross yeah. but this is funny and i showed my mom and, and her aunt and my mom's like oh my god what the heck what the heck is tiktok uh but she, i think she said tiktok or something and i like knew immediately like, oh that's i was like that's gold so i was like wait i was like hey can we can you guys re-say all of that so i filmed it i was like all right just repeat what you said um and so i i had them you know repeat everything i recorded and i posted it and by the next morning the video was at like six million um and then i and then i grew to like 30 40 000 followers from it at the time and then i was like all right here's the opportunity, right? This was chance. It's not like I'm so creative. I did, I did see something funny and record it, but how can I now just milk the hell out of this? And so immediately I was like, all right, let's do part two, three, four, five, and six. And so it was like, um, she posts another song and then my parents read the lyrics and then like they have to read the lyrics out loud and then they like punish her and then they ground her. So they like, yell at her. So I did like a whole series with that and that grew me to like a couple hundred thousand. And then that's when I was like, Oh, I, and everyone kept saying like, what are you doing? Like, Oh, like you're trying to be cool. I'm like, I promise you, I will make millions of dollars out of this. I promise you, this is huge. Then they all thought I was crazy for like about a, yeah, I'd say about a year until I mm -hmm. started making like a lot. So yeah. Yeah, my parents for four years were like, we don't understand what this is. And then I won a shorty award and they were like, we still don't understand what it is, but that is a large piece of glass. And so that seems real. And you're at the New York Times giving a speech. So we'll, you know, humble break. But like, they'll, we'll be like, yes, that, seem, that seems legit. These are things we have heard of. We yeah. Heard uh, the interesting thing for creators who have been doing this for this long, right, is that, and you talked about happenstance theory, right, being available yeah. to the moment is by being other, on other platforms, you were kind of aware of what works, what doesn't work. Things have been tested, A, B, beta tested, tried, you know, over, over a course of time. What do you think is different or unique about TikTok that allows things to go faster? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I I weirdly know a lot about TikTok, and I I've worked with them many times. Um, you know, even consulted on like some minor stuff here and there. But um, something I will say is that like TikTok is what they like call like a video by video platform, right? So they don't judge you based on the, the whole character of your page, but they judge you straight off the video. And so what that does is it allows people to A B test, right? Like that's that's what it was for is the, the ability because um, on YouTube and all these different. Uh, apps, I mean, it's very obvious, right? So on YouTube, their front page is really, really important. Um, you know, Snapchat, their front page is really, really important. And so they have to hand select who gets on there because for example, let's just say, uh, you, Jeff, you started a YouTube channel, you posted sporadically here and there, but you've got a really, really good video. They would prefer not to even show it because if you're not posting consistently, you know, the average person might only watch six YouTube videos in a day. So if if you're not going to post consistent and then you're basically going to piss off the audience, then they're like, well, why are we going to show them? Like if there's someone with relatively close uh, capability in terms of virality of a video, but post consistently, we'd prefer to show them because they're more likely to actually build that audience, get that audience excited and keep that audience on the, on the app. And so with TikTok, they were like, well, we don't really have a front page that we're like fighting over with space. So we don't really care if we show your video and then show a completely different person's video and then show a completely different person's video. Because the other, the other thing is, is that you know, the average person consumes six YouTube videos a day for those who use YouTube, let's just say, but on TikTok, it's like 300, right? It's 60, yep. whatever it might be. And so we also share the space 
with like a lot more people like on YouTube only, you know, let's just say six of us can win per person versus on TikTok 60. So it's 10 times the exposure. And so that's really why TikTok excelled so well is that people were able to create tons of stuff, randomly hit a viral video. And then TikTok didn't feel the need to say, well, because you're not posting consistently, we're really not going to push your next video. It was like, look, it's a good video. It's a good video. We'll make sure everyone sees it. If it's a bad video, it's a bad video. No one's going to see it. That is just how mm -hmm. it works. And so they're, they weren't really looking to build audiences on TikTok. It was simply like, how do we just get you cooked on the biggest compilation app ever, right? You're just watching a compilation of the funniest videos that are only 15, 20 seconds long, and you just never leave because you're just hooked. And it's just, you know, you're not like, okay, I've been seeing this person for 20 minutes. I want to go to the next person like YouTube. It's simply like new person, new person, new thing, and you just get hooked. So that's really why TikTok did so well and why it created this biggest boom ever. And I, and I love it because it created the most opportunity that we've ever seen before. Yeah, it's constant introductions, right? And then if you get a creator that you like, then you'll seek them out. Or obviously the algorithm will send you there more. But yeah, it's it's passive, um, you know, rather than active. You're making the choice pretty much split second of like, I like it, I don't like it, let me check it out. Maybe I'll fast forward, not quite sure. This might make sense to me. But yes, and that's why it just kind of keeps you there because you're not having to actively make a choice. That was the first first moment in, in social where it's like okay yeah i don't have to go find your page you can but i don't have to go find this i can just let the app come to me yeah. um but i think there's there's a thing that's pretty true when i talk to any creator it's that um over time i mean as far back as as they can go right whether or not they started in like friends or myspace or they started in snapchat or wherever they started creators are creators you'll figure out the way to kind of navigate that space it's like you're on Instagram, you're on other platforms. You know, I, I just watched a video on YouTube where you're filling a pool with foam. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you know, it's like you, you understand content, but I think you also, you have, also to have to understand the nuance of that platform to kind of meet that platform, right? Yeah, you did. I mean, that's and well, that's what I again love about TikTok is like people on all the other apps really have to pay attention to what they're doing. They're not only paying attention to the content. I mean, so for example, I just started my YouTube channel again. I'm revamping everything. I'm trying to, I'm moving into vlogging now um, just because I've conquered like all the other apps. I'm like, okay, which one haven't I conquered? Which one's more long term? And that's YouTube. And so, um, the problem, the thing about those is like, you have to be aware of not only your content, but like the algorithm itself, the thumbnail, there's just so many more moving parts that make it, the barrier to entry a lot higher. With TikTok, like literally anyone can post, literally anyone can go viral and you don't need to worry about anything, but just making the video interesting and that is it. And so that's what's like so cool about it is because it gives, like you said, it just gives so many people an introduction to who you are uh, and it, it, the barrier to entry is, is zero. Just make a good video. And I think it's also the, best training camp for viral videos you know yeah. like if you if you can create viral videos on tiktok consistently you can pretty much do it on any platform uh, but if you can't do it on tiktok you you literally can't do it on any platform because if you're not able to even you know get people to watch your tiktok they're not going to watch your three minute youtube video so it's also a word of advice for everyone out there like the biggest thing i always tell people when they ask me like where, where do i start how do i do it I, I, they always tell me i want to be a youtuber and i'm like no you don't don't even bother because if you cannot catch their attention on tiktok you you will not become a successful youtuber like it I get that they are a little bit different, but you should be able to get people's attention for 15 seconds. And if you can't, you're not going to get their attention for two minutes. Uh, so let alone like a five minute video, like we're doing, it's very hard. And we even struggle with that. So it doesn't, it's a really, really difficult thing. 
Yeah. Do you think uh, people gravitate towards YouTube as just like as a verb because they just that's kind of what they're known. It's 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 a known quantity now. It's kind of like that's where they've seen people make money. That's where they think the money is. But in actuality, like getting into the business side of things, there's money anywhere where you have a following and a platform. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I personally, I think that. Um, and, and it's so funny. So I have my, my editor here with me too. And we always get in these arguments about like, he loves YouTube, right? Cause it, it really is like an all encompassing platform, especially with shorts. Um, but I always argue that like, I think that like putting energy into TikTok or Snapchat, I think personally the money is just even better, even though I know YouTube's more steady and long-term. Um, it's just that the odds of you hitting those levels of income on YouTube is so astronomical that like it is pretty much guaranteed on the other apps if you just put in decent amount of work and uh, people get surprised you know people like youtube because again it's like i'm a youtuber right that is a verb in that sense it's like i'm a youtuber versus um here like um on tiktok people like you know you're a tiktoker right it already has bad connotations and so people again just feel like oh i want to say i'm a youtuber and sometimes people ask me like randomly like, oh what do you do and i'm like i'm a youtuber uh mostly because i'm like they're just gonna think like oh i'm some tiktoker and also um people who say i'm a youtuber typically are probably a real youtuber right because you're not going to tell people you're a youtuber if you've got 38 subscribers um but yeah. if you if you have like millions on tiktok you know obviously you're gonna become a tiktoker so and even if you have 50,000 on tiktok i feel like people will be like oh i'm a tiktoker and so um i feel like again it's got a bad connotation so people prefer to say they're a youtuber um than a tiktoker but like i said i think the money on the other platforms to be honest i think snapchat for example i've made more on snapchat than than most youtubers even very successful ones the only difference is all the other platforms are much more short term. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very much like a you make your money and then it ends versus YouTube is like a bank, right? You you've got these videos right now. People are even buying it. It's very like much like an album, right? People are buying your what yeah. is it discography like they're buying your 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 songs and then they're able to monetize them for life. And that's kind of YouTube right now. So people are approaching YouTubers and saying, hey, you're making twenty five thousand dollars a month off your old videos and it's just reoccurring we'll buy it from you for two years of that income so whatever it is like you know five hundred thousand dollars and so they're coming in and, and buying it from them and they're buying their like their um all their old videos and then they're basically just like we'll keep all the monetization it's guaranteed for us and as you grow as a youtuber those are only going to get bigger and you get you get two years of that income up front and so again youtube is more of a long term right it's, it's much more steady again i've made far more than i would say 99 percent of youtubers in just the two years on these platforms but over the long haul they're going to make way more than me because they've as long as they keep going because they've got this huge album um uh, this huge library of content that is just racking up hundreds of dollars a day per video at the very least if they're just somewhat successful so those are kind of the differences and that's why like i'm now moving over to youtube to say like okay i've conquered tiktok i've definitely conquered snapchat uh, i'm going to keep doing those things but now how do i build up this library where i have this constant stream of income even if i take a break for three months so yeah I think, well, you think you're meeting and recognizing the next opportunity, right? It's like the old Wu-Tang financial thing, like you have to diversify your bonds. But like, what's interesting about um, like the comparison to musicians, right? So you're talking about basically buying the back catalog and the royalties and the publishing, right? 
And you've seen like, wasn't it Bieber who sold like a lot of his back catalog for upfront money? Because you know, I mean, why wouldn't you in some ways? Yeah. Why, and you know, to be honest, why would you in some other ways too? If you're financially stable and you think that's going to hang around right now, I like this will come out in a little bit. But like currently, as we're talking, like the Ed Sheeran case went down, and like he he, yeah. he beat that case. But you know, it, it'll be interesting to see like in creative content if we get to a space where there are like you know i, I don't think it, like with music there's only a limited finite amount of notes and chords and things and here it's still a wide expanse but it'll be interesting to see if we ever get into some kind of copyright situation where it's like well my video is kind of like your video and you're making video yeah. of this um but you know from a musician standpoint then i think the the comparison then is with youtube it's a lot like the best musicians, the best touring musicians, right? There are so many artists that make good money, but then there are those that upper echelon who have been around forever that tour and like Taylor, Beyonce, whoever, who clearly, once you're at that level, obviously keep doing what you're doing. That's, that's great, but that's a hard level to obtain. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the barrier entry, but you know, does, does the fact that TikTok has some like political uh, issues of does this thing get shut down, which I doubt, but does that weigh in your headspace as to how you try to diversify things as you go forward? Um, I mean, no, I mean, so like, obviously they didn't ban it in like Montana, but like, you know, it's one of those things that when we, when we look back, like it's very obvious and this is like more of my, background like politics is that they're just looking for a sale right they, they they like the idea of like hey this thing's making a lot of money um there's two choices we either ban it and our american companies like facebook make money because with you know obviously those people have to go somewhere and snapchat yep. or they sell it to an american company and then we win again and so that's kind of like what was happening and so i you know i don't blame them it's like hey we're really trying to help america here i guess if that's what you want to do and like pressure them um but you know they they tried to argue and it's a little bit different i think like in in uh, that the stance of like grinder i think it was very similar but the app was being used to like target people in other countries so that's why we forced yeah. a sale because we're like hey this is dangerous we want to make sure it's that data is in the hands of us because you know we we obviously are more accepting we don't want anyone getting hurt over it um so with tiktok it's interesting and, and when those things started to come out you know i knew nothing was going to happen but i didn't know that like hey this is a great way for me to transition my audience to other platforms so i remember mm -hmm. the first time they talked about a tiktok ban i made a video and, and it was like a really like heartwarming emotional video and it was it was true right as much as i'm milking it was true that like hey like i've tried so hard creating content on every other platform and tiktok was like the one place that helped me um and i posted that video i think it did like nine million and i grew two hundred thousand instagram followers in one day from it and so like i i definitely like can use that type of stuff to like boost my audience elsewhere and i was actually just recently thinking about it because i always i always used to do it on instagram but i'm like wait why am i doing it on instagram i don't really make money on instagram what if I do it on YouTube now. Now, and so that's something yeah. I've been thinking about now. Is like, okay, how do I use this band? Because you know, there's still a one percent chance it can happen, right? You know, maybe they they're they're playing chicken right now, and and that's what's mm -hmm. honestly happening. It's kind of like, are you going to ban it, or are we just going to call your bluff? And that's what's happening. So Montana was like, hey, we're going to take the step, we're going to ban it, so no one can download it moving forward. Um, but it just depends. And so regardless of as they're doing their political thing, you know, us down here thinking, okay, well, how do we use this to kind of 
push our audience to another place for good and bad, right? The bad is like, we know that's probably not getting banned, but good news is, or for the good reason is, is it could. So we're not, you know, we're not bullshitting. We're like, Hey, just in case it does go check out my other channels. Cause I'd love to keep you as my audience. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like in, in, as you create content for a long time, you understand the balance of like two things can be true, right? It can be an absolutely genuine statement. And it can also be a statement that makes sense given what you're trying to accomplish on the platform. As you build an audience, the, the interesting thing about curation is you're always building the audience to fit you, right? So whatever yeah. you are saying is probably and is genuine and is felt by that audience. Right. Whether or yeah. not that creates opportunity. But I think that's the interesting thing that people may not think too much on from on the outside perspective of creators. It's like I I would say just like you said, there's a one percent chance that TikTok gets banned. I'd say there's a ninety nine percent chance that anybody that gets to your level or in this level of the creator space has that thought in the back of their head. Yeah. It's always it's just kind of there. It's not always yeah. like front like front and center, but it's like, hmm, okay. Again, as we get into like happenstance theory and in trying to like meet opportunity, that is an opportunity that you're like, okay, let's see what this goes. I think you make an yeah. point too on TikTok and that this is more of an economic thing rather than a data privacy thing. I never yeah. want like I never want to get into a point where I dismiss or diminish data privacy, but I also understand that these are all pretty comparable apps. One has a different bend and you can make a leaning toward that and you can position it differently. But essentially you have made the case that I would make and a lot of people in this space would make is that they're all the same. And yeah. this, th there's a purpose behind this. Um, you know, and yeah, there are, there's lobbying for sure. And oh, definitely, you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing is like it's very obvious that like obviously Facebook and and I mean mostly just Facebook because it's obviously Instagram. Uh, there, you know, TikTok is basically eating away at them, and so the idea of like, hey, if we like pay money and we get these politicians to like ban it, um, you know, we can make the case of like, hey, you know, although we might be taking data, do you really want it in the hands of another country? Like, you know, and so I find it interesting because I feel like this whole data privacy thing is really uh, like interesting to me. I don't understand why people care so much. Like, look, your stuff's already out there. You're posting videos. Like, people say, like, oh, I don't want to know how old I am or where. I'm like, you already posted a photo of your 23rd birthday. You already post geotags everywhere you go. Like, you're actively giving that data anyway that I can see. The only difference is it's, like, kind of easier to scrub when it's, like, cataloged on the back end but realistically like if someone really wanted to do it especially with like data scrubbers and and, and ai popping up i can freaking get that information so I, I find it so ironic that people are like i don't want them to know like what i like look at i'm like i can see it you like it your your likes are public i don't understand what you're hiding here um so i, I find that so ironic because i like genuinely don't care when people always ask me like well, what do you think about like, facebook or china or this country like taking your data i'm like bro take it I, what do you want me to do what they're gonna sell me more scooters because I like scooters, great. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I find it so interesting that people get so up in arms around it. The only time that it's like, it's scary is when people like, for example, might be, let's just say in the closet and they're like, oh, like, you know, mm -hmm. Facebook knows, right? There's data that shows that like they can tell before sometimes people even know based on how long they linger on Instagram on certain photos and things like that. But that's the only time where I'm like, okay, I get it for people who feel like, hey, there's information that could be used against me. 
um you know maybe i'm i'm, I'm you know scared about it or whatever but other than that i'm like it, it, like there isn't anything that i'm worried about that they take my data like okay great and fa- like we said facebook already does it they probably do it far more than tiktok does especially because we're going around liking pages on facebook right like liking the, the democratic group the republican group the nra like you're going around liking facebook groups they know more about you on facebook than they will ever on tiktok because the only thing they do is like this guy lingers on girls dancing a little bit longer <laughs> like that's okay great like that's like, that's what you're gonna find out or like oh this guy loves science experiments versus like on yeah. facebook you're really posting information words like you're like people who may not create content are still posting content by posting what's on your mind you know posting uh you know um uh their like status for the day and so uh it's kind of interesting to see like that dynamic of how people freak over over tiktok but not on facebook as often well i think it's just like a it's a collective mess of content out there right so yes everything does exist out there but then it has to be intentional for you to actually want to go and seek that specific person's information and what you're doing you alluded to it like five minutes ago grinder and other things there are certain scenarios in which yes that makes a lot of sense and we should be very empathetic toward that right and especially in critical situations but the i think there's a curve on this where it's like i think most of us uh, consciously or unconsciously are willing to give up a little bit of that privacy once we start to realize, oh, okay, I don't have to put in all my credit card information. I don't have to do this. Oh, I found yeah. this. Okay, cool. You know, Poshmark has told me I can, you know, <laughs> access this. It's like, yeah. You know, once you start thinking about if you want to roll back all of your current modern conveniences, that would be tough. One thing I've thought about, like, and this is more like the business question. I want to get into monetization in a second. But I think we we had like a 10 to 15, probably closer to 15 year era where all these social media companies were intently focused on user acquisition. And that was really the model of tech, right? And now it's very much, and you see it with Facebook's earnings at a point um, and, and exceeding earnings, right? But you look at all of them now having to whether it's the economic climate we're in or just having to show profit, right? So they're they're changing the platform a little bit. Like not as much as Twitter. Twitter, I I don't even want to unpack Twitter. Um, let's not even go there. Just like for most most creators, like you don't spend time on Twitter, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Exactly. I'm only there because I love mess and it's like my version of Bravo. But like that's the only reason I'm there. But do you see the platforms changing as the platforms need to get better at monetization versus trying to attract users? Does that change anything in your mind or is the platform still the platform? Yeah, I mean, like, look, when, when you become a big enough app, users are users that are all there. And then you can stop focusing on users and start focusing on creators. Um, yeah. You know, people are very... Like as much as I have people, especially my editor, being like, "Hey, like Shorts is is gonna take over. Like it's gonna be a good good competitor to TikTok." The reason why I don't think so for a while, at least, and it could change, is that. Um, People are very aware as to where that content is originating, right? They're not dumb. They know where it's originating and they would prefer to go to the origination site. Um, you know, I, I don't want to like as much as like when TikTok or Instagram started to like do their reels, people were like, oh my gosh, like this, like it's so obvious. It's just like recycled TikToks. Um, and the problem with that is people understood. And, and so you basically end up just repeating content when you go on TikTok and be like, okay, this is on reels because like, I, I just saw this on TikTok. Um, and so I think that it's kind of really interesting to kind of see that and i and I, I think that like a lot of these platforms were really trying to now focus on like how do we get the 
creators on board said, this is our new monetization program. Here, we're going to pay you finally. And so um, TikTok kind of started it, right? They said like, okay, like, hey, what if we just start paying people? Because they did a really cool thing. Um, and then someone just asked me last night, like, oh, like, you know, you're a creator. And then I forgot what they asked me. And then I said, yeah, you know, I just love the instant gratification of social media. It's really good for people with ADD and ADHD, uh, which yeah. is basically what I have. And so I love it because I can start a business. If I don't see any movement in three months, two weeks, I just lose interest. I'm like, oh, boring, moving to the next. But TikTok kind of understood that and said, like, hey, how do we create a site where people continue to be born here? Right. Because if they're born on TikTok, then they're going to stay on TikTok more often. There are people that's where like new content. Because if you're watching Mr. Beast for the seventh year in a row, you're probably going to get a little bit annoyed versus like, oh, my gosh, like there's this new person. Oh, my God, they're trending. And so you get excited. And so TikTok said, well, how do we do that? Um, and then they said, let's just put very low barrier to entry. They already had the great algorithm. They already have a great platform. How do we show a new creator who posts their first video or seventh video? Hey, you just made 35 bucks. And they're like, wait, 35 bucks. Like, that's what I make, like, you know, over like two, three hours of work. Like, what if I just like make more of these? Mm -hmm. And so they did a great job of just like kind of being like, hey, we're throwing some pennies at you. Um, and it does suck for bigger creators. I wish there was like a tier system where like, hey, you could still give them some money so they get excited to create. But also as much as $35 does change some people's lives, it, it, it's not enough for like you to take away from the bigger creators where we should be making a little bit more for like doing it as a full-time job. Um, yes. But I will, I will say that um, I love the idea that they did that. And that's, that's basically how like TikTok changed the game. They said like, how are we going to get people to continue to create on our platform, be born here? Um, and that's basically why I think that like these platforms now all started hyper-focusing on like the creator because the audience is there, right? The audience is already automatically moving away from TV and staying on their phones. Um, and we know they're going to be on one of like three or four apps, right? Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, and TikTok. Like that is just where they're going to be and maybe Twitter. So that we know they're going to be there. They all get that. So now they're like, okay, now let's focus all of our attention on the creators and get them excited to create on there. So TikTok's still winning on that platform, but I will say Snapchat, um, has a really high barrier to entry, but has probably one of the fastest monetization reward systems I've ever seen and the most respectful pay that I've ever seen. They, they, it is, it is basically YouTube on crack. It is absolutely amazing for monetization. Snapchat is just where it's at. And they did a great job of just saying like, what if we just pay everyone a lot? Like, like, you know, I get it. Maybe they're going downhill. We understood that, you know, they were starting to die off, but they're like, all right, like, I mean, I, I think their play was kind of like, if we're going to die off, we might as well just pay everyone a lot and see what happens. And let me tell you, that is what every single creator right now that I run into, they will only talk about Snapchat. They, everyone's put down their vlog cameras, which is why I picked mine up. Uh, but they are only talking about Snapchat. So, yeah. I want to leave a cliffhanger there because I want to talk more about the back end of Snapchat. Confession time. Buy a lot of things at one in the morning. And three days later, they appear at my house. And I have a notes app that says, hey, I should get to managing my money better. But again, most people who create content or start a small business or do almost anything aren't destined to be money managers. But managing your money and accessing expert advice shouldn't be so hard. That's why It's No Fluke is proud to partner with Wave. Wave offers an easy-to-use suite of money management tools for creators in one place, streamlining your bookkeeping and saving major time. Plus, 
When you create a free Wave account, you'll get a free personal 20-minute session with one of Wave's bookkeeping coaches, normally priced at $99. It's not a sales call. Ask as many questions as you want about bookkeeping and get expert advice because the goal is to help you feel confident and in control of your finances. Spots are limited. Don't wait. Visit waveapps.com slash nofluke to claim your free coaching session. That's waveapps.com slash nofluke. Honestly, the one thing about that stuff is the monetization part is obviously secondary to the content, right? I don't think you have a lot of accountants that get, you know, or money managers that get into the content game, right? So you have to start piecing all of that together, right? So when you got into this, when did you start... When did you start noticing the lanes that were best? Like even pre pre Snapchat, because I want to get back to Snapchat in particular, but when did you start noticing what were the best monetization angles and how did you kind of start figuring out how to kind of make the consistent income? Yeah, I mean, so um, it all started like, so back in 2019 in September is when I started on TikTok. Within about two months, I was growing. I went and collabed with like the, biggest trending house, which ended up being like my best friends now, but like hype house group. Um, and I, you know, went over there, I collabed with them. And then I asked them like, too, I was like, Hey, like, how did curiosity, like, how are you guys like making money? I did like a brain deal or two for like a thousand bucks at the time. Uh, and they're like, Oh, like, you know, we, we do these deals with all these different brands, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was overhearing them talk like these $300,000 deals and stuff. And I'm like, what the heck? 300,000. At that point I was almost at a million followers. I think I was at a million followers at the time. And then I was like, Oh, like, and then, um, you know, uh, Alex Warren, who's like literally one of my best friends now, like was like, Hey, like, um, here, like give them the email, like, let's see, he can email them and, and get a deal with this company. Uh, and I was like, okay. So I got the email and then I, you know, pitched myself and then they said, Hey, here's the offer. I was like, okay. Like it, it ended up being, um, I think like $700 a video for like eight videos a month. So whatever is a couple grand. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. But like, no, no, I want, I want like six grand a month, something like that. I want $1,500 video. So while I was doing that, I'm like, okay, I just got offered this deal for like $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year to post a certain amount of videos. That's great and all, but like, how do I really maximize that income? And so literally that same day I hit up every influencer I knew and said, Hey, if I get you a deal, will you give me 20%? And they were like, yeah, sure. Well, these deals are year long, right? So it's, it's seven, five videos, three videos, four videos a month for one yep. year contract. And so I ended up pitching that to like 20 different influencers, signing them all up and making 20% on every single one of them. Some of them getting paid $20,000 a month. And so one of them getting paid $25,000 a month. And so I was basically making four or $5,000 a month just off that creator alone. So before I even signed the deal for myself, I had sold, I think it was one point eight million dollars in deals to other creators so i made like a couple hundred grand off that um and uh and, and honestly i've actually been getting paid since 2019 till about one month ago was the final that big big creator that was paying me a large sum every month he finally closed out his contract or like our contract closed out but i had been getting paid for the last four years from it a couple grand a month and so uh that was like my first time being like okay like i'm a very entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur type person i'm not hyper focused on the content i'm hyper 
focus on a monetization. And so mm -hmm. immediately I did that. I think I was averaging around $20,000, I'd say twelve dollars to $20,000 a month from those deals um, because sometimes they didn't post all five for the month so they would get paid less. Sure. And then I uh, finally signed with that same company and then started making, I think they offered me $6,000, $1,500 a video for four videos. So yeah, it's about $6,000 a month. So at that point I'm making about $20,000 a month and that was three months into me starting on TikTok. And so that's when I was like, wow, okay, like I'm already, I already made three times what I make a month from other people than I do from even myself. And that was kind of like the initial like goal when I looked into this I was like, cool, one person can make a lot, but 20 can make more. And so like, how do I, how do I, how do I monetize those 20 other people? And so I started doing that. And then I started to lean into starting like a TikTok house, uh, started managing people that way and started making some money here and there from it. Uh, eventually kind of like closed that out um, and then moved over to like, obviously during this time I was still making like a lot of money from my TikTok uh, brain deals. Um, and so I just kind of monetize every which way. But now um, we make money from pretty much every platform, a uh, couple thousand here and there, and it really adds up. It's something I constantly forget, but it really adds up. So I make money from TikTok. I make money from Snapchat a lot. That's about the biggest one. I still make money now from Facebook. I'm growing that. Um, and now we're going to start making money from YouTube and YouTube Shorts. So I'm really expanding to make sure that each platform, even if it only makes me three or four grand a month, you know, now you got four platforms are making 12,000 to 20,000 a month. And so that's like, just like the bare minimum we make from just monetizing our videos. And then I still have brain deals on the side that can make me a lot. So, yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, like when we post this later, you'll see that like I got excited. I got actually on the edge of my seat because I like getting into these conversations about like active versus passive income because I think there's there's nothing precluding somebody, right, from just reaching out to creators and not being a creator and saying, hey, I can help you. But I think there's something very valuable of being a creator and having some credibility in the space and then reaching out and going, okay, I've navigated it. Let me help you navigate it. Let me make it easy for you. And I think that's probably how the conversation basically went, right? It's like, okay, let me make it easy for you. Here's a small cup, and now you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of it for you, right? Yeah. 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 And that, and that was like a big thing. And so, um, all these different platforms offer so many different ways to monetize. And, and then that's where I think like a lot of people, and I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't even touched merch and that's something that we're launching now. We're yeah. building like a brand, um, which ironically got my first tattoo of, um, from Cover and Alex, uh, a couple of days ago. So it says pale yeah. blue dot, which is a famous speech from a famous astronomer called Carl Sagan. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like the, there's so many different ways when me and my team are sitting down with a whiteboard behind us and we're like, all right, like what are the different ways we monetize? And I often forget like, oh yeah, I make like two grand from that app. I make two, like 500 from this app. And, and it sounds like nothing, small amounts to even like the average person, like, okay, I make 200 bucks off this app. But when you add up like 10 different apps, you know what I mean? Whether it's small mm -hmm. here or there, I'm like, it, it adds up to a lot, you know, be like, especially when I hire an editor and then they're like, oh, but we're only making 200 off the app. Like, why are we wasting our time? I'm like, cause it might take you like 30 minutes for the week to like post a couple videos and then we just made 200 bucks you know and so that was like a big thing is like making sure that you like hit all the goals and, and and make sure you're monetizing and i like that some people prefer to hyper focus on one thing again adhd it's a really cool way to be able to focus on multiple things for add for me but we'll focus on multiple streams of income and it, and it comes at a a positive because if other platforms shut down or slow down i'm already foot in the door here foot in the door here and i just push into it yeah, you're diversified. And if another platform emerges in the next year, 18 months, two years, you'll you'll dabble, you'll figure it out, you'll know what to do with it because you're doing all these other things. That that completely makes sense. Um what do you what do you 
do you feel like a, a, a steady optimism when you're dealing with all these pieces of the content or are you kind of always in, in the back of your mind going, okay, I need to stay relevant. Do you feel that pressure? Uh, I'm very different than everyone else. And this is something we, me and my editor, when we were like, oh, like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? And then, you, you know, I was looking through some of the questions we might cover and uh, my yeah. editor reads one of them and it kind of says like, you know, uh, what do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish? Or who are you? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and like, what, what, what do you want to end up? Or what do you want people to know you for? And he, he just looked at me because he knows he's like, I know what you're going to say. And I'm like, I really don't care. And the reason why is like a lot of people go into this because like, I want to be famous. I want to, I want to be well known. Like, those are all cool. Like, that'd be great. Um, but honestly, I just cared about like making a lot of money. And the reason why is like, I know that this is a short-term thing, even if you are really big and that if I can make as much money as I can, the second I got to the point where like, oh my gosh, I can retire, then I can be like, all right, let's make content for fun. And if I get well-known, great, that would be a cool thing, but I don't really care that much about it. And so I'm never worried about like staying relevant, which is why I'm not that relevant because I don't care. I just care about monetization. I just care about growing an income. And that's what I did best. I definitely like would say I'm probably top a hundred in terms of how much of, of all TikTokers of how much I made. Um, and so I definitely care more about that. And like, you know, some people are like, Oh, you only care about the money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cause I want to survive. I want to be able to take care of my kids. I also know that like, mm -hmm. this is cool and all, but if you even do it for four years and then you, and then you end up not getting paid anymore. Like I see a lot of these kids on, on these platforms and they'll make, you know, 30,000, 40, 50,000 a month, but they're going to go out and get a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. They're going to go rent a $20,000 house. They're going to, and they're like, they don't build into bigger things because they're like, well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. I'm a this, I'm a that, but there's like yeah. certain people that like understand it. Like my, uh, you know, Alex Warren is a really good example of someone who like, he diversified significantly. He was on YouTube. He's growing on TikTok. He he's a music artist who signed to a label. He he's like one of the few people that I look at who spends my money and I go, Oh, he'll, he'll be fine. He knows he understands like this. Um, but when I see other creators who I'm like, what are you doing? Like, Oh, you know, I'm just on TikTok and maybe Snapchat, but I'm blowing through. 80% of my money a month. I'm like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, and then I think they think it will go on forever and they don't understand that. Like, okay, great. Let's just say, even if you made $10 million, but you're blowing through, like even, you know, conservatively saving 30% of it, right? Cause they're blowing through it over the course of, let's say 10 years. Great. You're left with $3 million, you know, 10 years later, but like, that's not that much to survive the rest of your life off, which means you're going to go out now and have to get a regular job, which is what I do not want to do. And so I, I kind of see all these people like do that where they're like, oh, like they they kind of just see it as a mindset of like it's a paycheck and the paychecks keep coming. And like they don't, because even if this comes for five years, at the end of those five years, you now have to manage that money, buy a house, raise a family, take care, you know, take care of kids, take care of, you know, maybe your parents when they're old for the rest of your life. Right. If you're 21 and you do it to 26 you have 26 to like 80 you know what i mean or 90 or 100 you have 75 years and you expect that money even if it's a couple million dollars you saved to last that long is it's hard and so if the goal of this is to like not work another job and to literally like you know, retire as a content creator, you have to be very smart with it. And so that's kind of my, I mean, it's a long winded answer, but like, that's where I kind of focus on like, look, I'm not here to like become the most well-known or create controversy. So everyone knows who I am. I'm like, how do I just make the most amount of money? And then once I get there and that's what I did. And that's where now I'm starting to feel more comfortable financially where, where now me and my editor and my team sit down and go, well, let's start YouTube. Like we have nothing to lose really. Like we'll, we'll survive. We'll be okay. You know, I'm not ultra rich where I could just like do whatever I want, but I know that I'll be fine in the long term. So now I can focus on YouTube. I can focus on launching merch, the things that are far more, far less likely to succeed. Um, 
is what we're now focusing on. You can take the swings, but yeah, like yeah. so in social media, like yeah, you're there for a good time, but not a long time, right? Yeah. And I think we're kindred in the sense, like I got in a very long time ago and then got the hell out because I realized I am going to age out of this so quickly, and yeah. I am going to be this guy that people are like, because you know, I mean, I started in 2011. And by a certain point, I realized very quickly, um, nobody is going to want to see me doing those kinds of things. Like you can talk about like when you get new money and then you're like, and you can talk yourself into it, right? You can talk yourself into like, well, I need this car or I need this thing because it's for the content, right? People need yeah. to see the lifestyle. They need to see that. And that's the trap, right? But I think there are, there are not enough, but a, a finite amount of people who live in this space and last a longer time is I got behind the scenes. So when I when I talk to you and I hear that you get behind the scenes, that is really where the sustainable money is, right? It's getting in yeah. behind the scenes, working with creators behind the scenes, working with brands, helping navigate the space for people who, you know, whether it's the creators who didn't get into it to be a business or the brands who didn't quite understand how to connect with the creators, right? These are where the, the the consistent monetization opportunities always exist, right? And I was going to ask you that question right toward the end of, you know, what do you want to be? Because I think is a, I think it's a different answer for almost any person. We're all human, right? And I can tell that your background's in psychology because, like, we're all human, and we all will get that instant gratification of social media. We'll feel it. We'll enjoy it, right? And some of yeah. us then some of us will have like an addictive personality and have to crave it, go after it. Cause we'd be dumb to say that we don't like it. Right. Yeah. But some of us go have to crave it more, more, more. And some go, that was awesome. Now, how do I just make this into a sustainable thing that lasts for 25 years rather than like 25 months? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then that, and that's that thing is like, um, People are more hyper-focused on the, the lifestyle of it. They're focused on like, oh, I'm going to go to these events. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, drive a nice car. And they're not really focused on like, how do I turn this into like a sustainable business? And I have so many creators come up to me now and go like, hey, like, you know, like a couple months ago, you offered me this or like this and that because they're starting to get it, right? With the economy slowing down, with brands spending far less money, um, it, you're starting to see a lot of creators. I mean, most of the creators I know like are now back to regular jobs or on, on par to go or like on track to go back regular jobs um, because they kind of just like burn through their money. They think it's going to last. They don't understand like not only does like money go up and down with brands because they, you know, they, they are companies that lose money and make money. So yep. there's some times where they spend it, but also you as a creator trend and don't trend. And so you know, there might be times where like, not only are you not trending, but also brands aren't paying as much. So now you hit this double whammy of like, okay, you're getting half as many brand deals and they're paying half as much. So now you're basically getting pennies on the dollar. And about eight months ago, I posted on my Instagram and said, uh, in about a year, uh, I think I put from 12 to 18 months from now, we're about to see a ton of creators lose, like go back to regular jobs because they're, they're not, they're going to stop making money. And that's exactly what's happening. And so, uh, it's really important to kind of like jump behind the scenes, you know, or at least like be aware and build something that is going to last long. And so, uh, I got very lucky when it came to like Snapchat, which is where I built a large portion of my income, but I also mm -hmm. saw an opportunity and expanded upon it tenfold to make sure that I wasn't just getting that short-term opportunity, but I can build a long-term. So, yeah. And that's understanding behind the scenes. I remember I wanted to get back to Snapchat. So when did Snapchat make that shift and what makes that unique with Snapchat for creators right now? 
Yeah, so Snapchat is a is a gated platform for creators, right? So you have to be approved, hand approved, to be a, a creator on on Snapchat. No. Uh, they do have Spotlight, which they launched. It was their competitor to TikTok, and when they did that, they decided that like, hey, we're going to take a swing at this, otherwise we're going to get eaten away. Let's pay creators a million dollars a day, and and the top hundred videos of the day will split a million dollars. Uh, they don't really explain exactly how that split went, but we think it's something like. If the top 100 videos did a total of 100 million views, but you did 99 uh, million of the views, and then like the other 99 videos did 1 million of the views because your videos are so good, you technically would get 99% of that money. And so there were days where I would make 10% of that million dollars for the day. And so it just depends, uh, like with, with like what you posted. But back in the day when Snapchat first started, and this is a, a very interesting thing when people say like, "Oh, like I don't really want to post." I had been begging for Snapchat for a show for a long time, for a very long time. I, I, I tell the story a lot, so I won't go too in depth with it. But I basically like donated tons of money to Gary Vee when he was doing this event, so I could like meet him because I knew that he was a big investor in Snapchat. And how can I get him to help me get a show on Snapchat? And that didn't really work out, but he did try and help. I had a meeting with him privately and stuff and then i okay i let me email them i emailed them i talked to a couple people they kind of just like turned me down and ghosted me and then eventually um i was like hey if i'm not getting the show can you guys at least verify me because it's a gated platform and i want to get verified they said sure we'll post you so there that we'll get you verified so during that process they said hey uh we got this new thing coming out it's spotlight you should post on it you know we're giving away a million dollars a day and i'm like oh so is tiktok but i get like 25 cents a day so like who cares i still posted i posted like 10 15 videos and I, I get a call like uh, two weeks later and they're like, hey, can you talk? And like they Snapchatted me. And I love that they, they like we communicate with, with the Snapchat employees through Snapchats. Yeah. yeah. And then they go, can we call? And I'm like, sure. So we like hop on a call. I think a Snapchat call, ironically. And um, they were like, hey, so like uh, we want to do a um, New York Times article on you or something like that. I think in New York Times. Like we want to do a New York Times article on you. And I'm like, like do you, are you okay with like disclosing how much you made on our platform? And I'm like – Sure, I don't really care. Like I, I like being transparent. I don't care. And right. um, okay. they're like, okay, great, blah blah blah. And then I think the girl goes, uh, "By the way, there's two girls on the line." Uh, and then one of them goes, uh, "Hey, I don't think Dominic knows how much he's made." And the other girl goes, "What do you mean? Like, didn't you get the like notification in your app? Because it was like so new at the time. They didn't even like know when it went out when we got notifications." And I'm like, "No." Like, and then she's like, "Oh, are you sitting down?" And I was like, "What?" And she's like, uh, "You should probably sit down." And then I was like. Okay. And then she's like, all right. So for like the first week, for the second week, because I didn't post the first week, I wasn't on the platform at the time. She's like, for the second week of Spotlight is how they called it. So for the second week of Spotlight, you earned, and this is a rounded number, and you earned $235,000. And I literally was, I, you just see in the video, my, I just immediately go, and I'm just like yep. crying. I'm just like, what just happened? Like, this is insane. And, and during this time, we were talking about buying a house and my parents were going to help us because they don't really have a lot of money, but they have like, like they can pull loans on their house to help me. And they know that like, oh, you know, worst case, whatever, we sell that house, pay the back rider. So I was like, Hey, if you guys help me, yeah. like, I'm making good money, 20, 30,000 a month. I know I spend a lot, but I'd rather spend it into a house that can create content with it, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was like during that time. And then immediately, like I get this call and I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. And I, I have like a heart attack. And then she goes, and for the <laughs> third week, you won $55,000. So it ended up being like two, uh, 300 and 
twenty thousand, something like that. Was, I think it was like oh yeah, it was like two hundred fifty thousand, and then and then fifty or something. So I earned like three hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars for those two weeks. So then that following couple of weeks, I started posting ten times more, and ended up winning another six hundred, no, seven hundred thousand um, dollars. And so that was like the first time where I'm like, obviously, this is like again, chance meets opportunity. This is a huge opportunity and a huge chance. Uh, and I just built it. Ironically, I had friends and people who we don't really talk to, but like they posted a lot more than us. And I do regret that because they made a lot more than us. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I would get tired because, you know, t- creating that content. I'd figured that as some, some weeks I would make far less, like 10 grand. I'm like, okay, it's done. That was a fluke. Like, that's it. I'm not going to make any more than like 10, which is great. I'll still post, but I'm not going to like pour my heart out 24 seven to, to do this because like last month, I, last week I made 300 grand this week. I made 10. It, it was just a fluke. No one was on the platform. Now everyone's on the platform. Well, no, it ends. So the next week, hundred K the next week, 30 K the next week, 200 K and it fluctuated for a little bit until I made about almost a million dollars. Um, and then, and then that was great. You know, a lot of creators made that money. I had tons of friends who made that money. Some of them spent the money and lost it all. Some of them kept the money and bought a house. Uh, I first mm-hmm. I immediately went and bought a house in cash. I'm like, great, I got a house. I can't lose my money now. Um, yep. And then the next thing was like, everyone else kind of was like, great, now I'm going to go party or enjoy life or go back to TikTok. I was like, all right, how do I expand on this? And so um, Snapchat's like, hey, since you since you were willing to disclose your income, we'd love to do a whole video on you. I'm like, great. So I started getting more integrated with Snapchat. And I said, hey, I literally one of your top creators right now on this platform. I made like a large amount of sum of money. You're writing about me. Can I get a show? We'll let you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I need to make more income. I need something more sustainable. I want a Snapchat show. I ended up going on... Um, clubhouse at the time and i see all the snapchat employees and i was pretty big on clubhouse and i see all the snapchat employees in a room called like snapchat something and i i hear them say like all right we're closing out any last questions blah blah blah. and i immediately was like oh this is perfect i jump out of the room i tell my ex at the time and a friend or i tell my ex at the time i text her i said get on this platform get on clubhouse right now i'm going to open up a room i'm going to text you questions you're going to read them to me one by one you're not going to say a word you're just going to ask me the question i'm going to rant so she did and um they all when they exited the room of course they go look at the front page and it's just like snapchat's the future is what i called it they all join and they start hearing me just rant about how i love snapchat at this point i made a million dollars i'm telling everyone how to make money on snapchat go post on spotlight i made i made well over like five million dollars for other creators i called them told them to post i i get messages so often during that time be like thank you so much i made 30 grand thank you so much i made 50 grand many of them not even creators and um, so they, you know, they love that. I was like spreading the news and stuff. A lot of creators were like telling us to keep it hush hush so they can make the most amount of money for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I did that. I saw a couple employees in the room. I followed them. They followed me back. I said, hey, like, you know, they said, oh, we love what you're saying about Snap. Great. Then I said, hey, you know, I, I've been trying to get the show for so long. Like, how do I do it? And one person who I absolutely love this guy um, says, hey, give me five minutes. And I just get a DM back and he goes, Hey, uh, uh, your show's ready. And I know, and I mean, I emailed hundreds of employees in the company. I, I talked with the, the, uh, COO or I forgot, I mean, Jim Shepard, like the higher ups, I reached out to everyone trying to get a show and they would always, Oh, talk to this person. And they would just you know, throw, throw it away. But, uh, that one person helped me so much and, and changed my life. And so, um, that's when I got one show. And then again, typical Dominic, I said, that's great. One show is great, but what yes. if I have more? And yes. now I have a total of like 57 shows. 
And so that's kind of like, that was the biggest portion of my income for a long time. I basically was able to like make five times as much as I did on spotlight on shows over the last year. Um, and so I was able to make a lot of money from that. Um, and that's kind of just how I focus all my energy is basically finding an opportunity, 10 xing it. And that's what I did. And now that like Snapchat's more focusing on creators and less on shows, that's starting to dip down. And my next thing is now it's YouTube. Everyone's not looking at YouTube. They're all looking away. They're all looking at Snapchat. They're all looking at TikTok. Now it's my time to go on YouTube and build that up. It's kind of like a stock broker mentality. Like if somebody, if everybody goes and invests in this, it's like, okay, well that's maxed out. Now I'm going to go to the next stock that needs some attention over here, right? Exactly. Um, Interesting when you mentioned Gary, like Gary's interesting because like very early on in my career and even early on in Gary's, like I reached out and was just surprised. Um, Mark Cuban does this. There are a lot of people that you send them an email, you send them a text, and they don't know you, and they're like, sure, what's up? And it's weird because you you know for a fact that person does not have that much time. Although yeah. in passing moments, right? A five-second text back or a 20-second email back isn't that much if you're connected and you can kind of do it yeah. quickly and rally it off. But when you look at people, you know, and, you, and you're entering a different point in your career, right? You look at yeah. them and go, I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to be available to people when they reach out. Or how do you, how do you, how do you get now in an established place where you're like, because you're talking about people reach out to you or you kind of help people out. What's your what's your kind of stance on reach outs and how often you like to be available? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much available all the time. I get DMs and texts pretty much daily asking for advice. I, I Like, I would say that's one thing that, like, uh, people, like, do do with me is, like, I, I get calls almost every single day. Every single day. Uh, like, hey, can you check this video? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, can you read this? Hey, how do I do this? Hey, can you connect me with this? Pretty much every day. And I do it. I mean, I, I think there's certain times, the only times, I, you know, I used to hate creators who, like, would block that and, like, oh, I don't know. The only time I do it is if I know that, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not on the best terms with this app or this person. I don't know them well enough. I'm not going to extend their, their contact information to anyone else at the time. But yeah. if it's something that I'm like, oh, like, this doesn't affect me in any negative way, sure. Like, I don't care. But if it's like, hey, like, some people ask me, like, hey, how do I get a, a show? And I'm like, well, I'm on like, uh, it's tough. Shows are tough. Like I, I hate yeah. introducing people because if you go do something wrong, it reflects on me and I have no control over what you do. Um, if it's certain things like, Hey, how do I get verified? I'm like, Oh yeah, send it to this email. That's, that has nothing to do with me. Like if they verify you, that's on them. They chose to, but if I'm like recommending you to do something and then I'm like, yeah, yeah I think you, this guy wants to pitch a show. And then you post something horrible. They look at me and my whole business now becomes at risk. And that's, and it's like a lot of money for me to be like, ah, oh, it's not something I want to risk. Um, but generally, yeah, I'm, I'm always there to try and help people and, and, and ask advice, which is why I love doing podcasts because it's like a, a crash course into social media. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can listen to this, hopefully get some stuff off of that. But yeah, the, cre the creation economy, right? You kind of have to constantly be aware of what are my relationships? Who are my relationships? What am I doing? I think my final question, and like like I sent over things in the in the previous, just to kind of get conversation stories going, but I think you you naturally get to things in a conversation. To me, it's what is the mindset that that allows you to persist and get turned down however many times on getting a show and then say, nah, screw it. I'm going to keep asking. Uh, ADD. Um, I mean, honestly, like it's one of those things that like um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, 
I mean, I, it's kind of interesting because it's just, it's, I always talk about this too, but it's just so true. There, there really is no free will as much as people want to argue it. There really isn't. It's just how you're programmed, where your environment is, how you grew up, how people raised you. And you have no control over any of those things. You know, I always tell people like you are who your parents are and your friends are, but like you really don't have a choice because if you're born in Nebraska, your friends are going to be drastically different than if you're born in New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you might have some minor choices between like this friend and that friend, but like the whole course of that environment and culture is completely different. And you can't just have a New York accent being born in Nebraska. It just doesn't happen. You, you will not have that, right? If, if you're a YouTuber and you succeed more often because you sound smarter, because you have a British accent, uh, that's because you, you have a British accent. You know, I, I guess I could create one, but realistically, like it's not authentic. People might find out whatever it might be. So like, it is just the luck. And so I, I was very lucky in many different ways. The first is that genetically the way my brain is wired is like, I don't like those things. And in my environment growing up, uh, I don't really care about like failing. I think it's just like a waste of time. Like, great. I failed. Move on. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to dwell on it. I don't care. Um, to ADD. I don't really have the attention span to sit and hyper-focus on like, Oh my gosh, I failed. And why did I, I don't don't care. I'm already on to the next. And that's how Gary V I noticed when I spoke to him too. I mean, this guy like biting his nails, not paying attention. And that's why he succeeds because he legitimately doesn't focus on his failures at all. He's just like, okay, great, move on. It's not like the failure is boring, but succeeding is, is, is exciting. And so um, that's just what it is. And, and, you know, so many people say like, well, are you just telling me that I'm just going to fail because I don't have these things? I'm like, no, but it is 10 times harder for you. It is what it is. And you have to be aware of those things. And when you become self-aware, um, you have a better chance, right? Because you know, like, for example, I tell people, they'll go, well, I want to be a comedian. I'm like, well, you know, you've yeah. tried for a long time. People don't find you funny. Yes, you potentially 25 years down the line could make it. But realistically, if you transition to something where maybe you are better at, right? Like I always tell people like, what if you could have been the best pianist in the world? Because of the way your hands are structured, you might have big hands. It might just come easy to you. But you've just never played the piano. You never had an opportunity to. And so what I tell people is like, there's two different people. There's some people who are kind of stubborn in the sense of like, I want to accomplish this. And that does pay off. But 99% of the time it doesn't. And I just hate the idea of like, well, I know that if I just like do this for 10,000 hours or for five years, I will eventually make it. I'm like, I'm like, you say that because like, hundreds of people have done that but realistically you don't see the 10,000 people that didn't and so i'm i'm a big proponent of um going where you fit best because that's your best odds of success right so i personally love science stuff and i tried to launch videos where i'm like all right guys i'm going to talk about this thing people don't want to hear me talk my voice is not too high pitched it's not too low pitched right so i don't sound nerdy i don't sound super like oh i have a low voice so i trustworthy i'm not old looking which means that i i have knowledge i i don't have a british accent which makes me sound smart i don't have any of those things and attributes and i don't have a unique look where like you cross the video and you go oh they like they have a very unique look right Right. I don't have any of those things. And so when I tried to do those same videos, people didn't really cling on to them. And so I said, okay, that's just, I, as much as that's what I would like to do, I'm not going to be stubborn and demand the world love me for the way that they just, that's just not how they perceive me. And so right. I was like, well, what can I do? And so I was like, well, I, I'm very intelligent in terms of like coming up with creative ideas. What if I do a science experiment and then that'll get their attention? Cause I even, I easily can like elephant toothpaste will get their attention. Maybe I won't. And then it worked. And then I, I learned to go where I fit best. And uh, I could have tried for five years to do, do it that way and just talk to the camera and probably would have never succeeded. And so it can sound depressing at one point, but also the fastest way to success is just finding what you're best at. Um, 
and going with that, assuming that you're somewhat interested in it, because I obviously am still interested in it. And so, um, yeah, for those people who say, like, you know, what, what attribute, what help, it's kind of just self-awareness and understanding that, like, hey, if you're five foot one, you're probably not going to be in the NBA, and it is what it is. But, like, what can you do? You know what right. I mean? And, and that's, what I, that's what I hate. We go, oh, you can do anything you want. Okay, again, why is the average height in the NBA six foot seven? You know what I mean? Like, like it. it you have to understand that like, yes, there's the 1% chance, but life's a gamble. And I'd rather gamble with something that's a 60% chance than something that's like a 1% chance. And so, um, yeah, my environment, the way I was born, the way I, I know business from my parents, I got very lucky. I was born in the right area at the right time. And my brain was wired perfectly for this type of thing. Now, if I looked a little bit different and had a better look or had a unique look, I probably would have been even more successful given like the way my brain's wired, but I didn't. So I'm, I have my limitations and my limitations are here and I could have been here, but it is what it is. And I just maximized where my limitations are. It was interesting that you like talk about background and shaping and everything that goes into like where you come from. Right. And then there's, there's empathy and understanding that, yeah, it's definitely harder for some people in, 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 in all kinds of different ways. And even Gladwell, I think now will tell you that 10,000 hours is simplistic, right? It's easy to understand. It can be used effectively for some people as a motivator or to get them to, to, to start the process. But once you start going, you start to realize, yes, your best place is that's where you need to find it. Like you need to find the easiest lane or the most efficient lane, right. For you. And I think, I guess we don't have, there isn't a book right now or there isn't a mindset or a training or some person out there that just says, yeah, but just dabble until you find the thing that where you actually fit. And then you could spend five hours, not five, but 500 hours instead of 10,000 hours on that. But yeah, that's, that's where sometimes this creator mindset usually allows you to pivot more than, yeah. you know, the, the stubborn person that maybe grew up in a, you know, a family where it was, you know, you needed to be a high achiever. So they're like, I'm going to do it. 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 And it's like, you, you'll get to a level, but yeah. Right. You could have been this, this, or this. There are a million different winding roads. When you look back on your career here, do you feel like at what percentile is your life? Like zero to 100%. Have you, how close to the max are you? Um, I'd probably say I'm at like 90%. I think that the, the last step for me is, is moving into real estate, moving into, I'm building an Airbnb chain. Uh, and that's going to be like that final evolution in terms of my entrepreneurship and, and, and income is like transitioning all this income that I'm making into real estate, more sustainable long-term. Uh, and then that's just going to be more of a slow growing thing that, you know, will kind of peak me back up. But, um, I've been doing, you know, uh, really well financially in terms of those types of things kind of like i have a lot of ideas in terms of like very again i'm very lucky with my opportunity my family's in construction and even if they don't really make a lot they get discounts so i'm building homes at you know really cheap rates so i'm able to make a lot from it so it's yep. more of a slow growing thing but i'm definitely at like 90 percent of where i could be uh and the last 10 percent is kind of just building that more reoccurring steady income it's a weird thing like once Anybody who makes money starts to realize, oh, money makes money. You know what? You know what makes money the most? Money. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right? um, you've already given a bunch of advice. We're at about 70 minutes. Um, shamelessly plug all the things you're up to. Lay them out. 
Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing and the thing I care most about that I really want you know people to see is just my YouTube channel. It's Dominic Andre Vlogs. Just started, literally only 30, 30 subscribers. We're starting really humbly. Um, I, I I had a channel like a couple. Yeah, three videos. I, I have a channel, another one that we basically are just converting to something else. I had like a hundred and something thousand subscribers, but I said, let's start fresh. I want to give everyone just a new thing. I want a whole new audience. And so it's brand new. We only like a thousand views, but honestly, I love it. You know, I, going into it, I was like, oh, it's not going to look good. And it ended up looking just so good. And I'm so excited for it. We just launched our third one and we've got two more already in the pipeline. And I'm just really, really excited. So go check it out. Dominic Andre Vlogs. Um, we've got some really, really fun stuff. We blew up the pool a couple different different times uh we have my editor work with the the construction workers for a whole day uh and it's just absolutely hilarious so go check that out awesome and as we close uh again thanks to wave thanks to the shorty awards uh thanks to everybody for you know listening or watching this podcast wherever you may be and finally shout out to editors because they don't get enough shout outs there are yeah. so many people behind the scenes in this space that are doing some really cool stuff, really cool support stuff, like pushing the game forward. Um, and I know you mentioned your editor a couple of times, so shout out to editors. Yeah, no, biggest thing, biggest, biggest help for people who don't know that they do so much work behind the scenes. Yeah, well, Dominic, thank you so much. Appreciate it, we'll close there. Um, looking forward to chatting again sometime. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All right, appreciate it. And that was Dominic Andre on the Happenstance Theory finding angles others don't see, and turning chances and hobbies into a lasting career as a creator. Thank you for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, Wave. It's No Fluke is an original podcast from the Shorty Awards. It's hosted by me, Jeff Barrett, produced by Jumi Soon. Cover and episode art by Chelsea Shizano, and no AI is involved in making this show yet. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review, share with your colleagues, friends, and that one neighbor who decides to play violin in their backyard. And subscribe so you don't miss an episode anytime. It's completely free. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any feedback or guest recommendations, send an email to info at shortyawards.com or DM Shorty Awards and Instagram. We appreciate it. Thanks.